I hope we had a good outtake. Oh, I know. We were too good this time. I don't think... I don't think we were very funny this no, week. No, we weren't. We were so serious. <laughs> it was a serious one. Um, Maybe we are a bummer sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Never a bummer. I want t-shirts. That's it. That was my favorite. <laughs> Welcome back to the Modern Lady Podcast. You're listening to episode 33. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Lindsay. And today we are talking about how to have civil discourse. As the popular saying goes, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Living a life framed by your convictions and beliefs sounds great and is often encouraged. But how do you develop them in the first place? And what do you do when your convictions are challenged while maintaining your cool, your poise, and your position? This week, we will dig deeper into the art of disagreeing. But first, if you are loving this podcast, then we would be so happy if you could take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe to the Modern Lady Podcast on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on. It really does help our little podcast become more visible on such a large platform. This week's shout out goes to Mrs. Alfie G, who wins the week with her five-star review saying, quote, thoroughly enjoyable, often thought-provoking, never a bummer, just the thing I've been looking for, end quote. Well, Mrs. Alfie G, we loved that never a bummer line. So thank you so much for leaving us this review. And if you would like to leave us a comment, you can do so on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com, or you can leave us a comment on Facebook or Instagram, where you can find us at The Modern Lady Podcast. But before we get into today's chat, Lindsay has our Modern Lady Tip of the Week. Well, Michelle, it's dress season, right? Shorts, dresses, skirts, uh, basically it's legs out season. So you and I started wondering how should we properly sit? And it was something I started to notice um, when my daughter had her confirmation recently, and you noticed the same thing in your daughter, um, is we were trying to tell them how to sit up straight, but we started to second guess what the proper etiquette is on that. So I'm here to help. Um, So the first thing you need to do is to step as close to the front of the chair as you can. So be right in front of the chair, turn and prepare your body for the sitting posture. And then as soon as your back leg touches the chair seat, you slide one foot back and then gracefully lower yourself onto the seat slightly sideways, so twist to the side a little bit. You sit straight with your legs together and your heels slightly to the rear, if you can kind of picture that. You sit with your legs in front of you and you angle your knees to either the left or the right side, or you cross at your ankles. You never sit with your legs apart. And then you place your hands together on your lap and you lengthen your spine, you free up the neck and balance the head above the shoulders. And so basically you sit tall, if, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yes, I am often reminding my daughter and therefore myself, especially during mass, that seems to be like a common place where you would, one would want to sit properly the most mm-hmm. <laughs> is in church. Um And I find myself also like thinking about crossing at my ankles as opposed to my usual, which is crossing the legs at the knees. Like that seems more comfortable and more common. So are there actually any rules for that, the more relaxed posture we often take? Well, according to the website, 
pairedlife.com? The answer is that it depends on the length of your skirt. So if you're wearing a longer dress or a knee length skirt, then it's completely all right to cross your legs at the knee. But if you're wearing anything shorter or shorts, then it's only proper to cross your legs down by the ankle. Oh, okay. So the length matters Mm -hmm. when you're sitting too. Okay. Very interesting. The art of polite, articulate, and intelligent discussion and debate is truly a skill worth cultivating, especially in today's world, isn't it, Lindsay? Yeah, it is. And we've seen a lot of debate, it feels like, going on recently in social media. And You and I have been talking about this a lot. And you know what? I used to be a very outspoken liberal feminist, and now I'm a very outspoken conservative traditionalist. Um, (laughs) So the common factor there is that I'm very outspoken. um, Right. (laughs) And sometimes too outspoken and not informed enough. But you and I, we love the 1950s. We love the nostalgia of that. And, um, but when we, you know, do our episodes on the housewife and homemaking and all those things, those things are all great. But we also want to address the fact that we recognize that women haven't always been given the space to speak, right? And to have their Mm. voices heard and their opinions heard. And so we don't want to just gloss over that part of the 50s. And we want to bring that into right now, right into 2019 and encourage women um, to share how they feel and to become educated on current topics. Right. Yeah, it's it's kind of like we want to take the the best parts of this nostalgic period mm. of the 50s, the that golden era, and marry it with all the things that we've learned through history in the meantime and come up with, yeah, the the, the ideal, the best of every world. So, yeah, that's right. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Just as a total side note, I know you'll agree with me that one of the things that actually drew me to the Catholic Church in the beginning was actually her respect for the writings of medieval and Renaissance era females right through. And so I I, being on this side of the fence now, I, I keep forgetting that the rest of the world hasn't always valued women's writings like the Catholic church actually has. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, that's, that seems very commonplace to me now that women are actually upheld and honored and respected and given dignity, um, for their thoughts and in their views. And I've seen that a lot in our experience within the church. Um, but yeah, not so true in the other world. Yes. And we need to really work on developing our voices and our opinions to be ready, like at the ready when we're able to jump into these conversations. Yes, absolutely. And I think that it's so easy. I know women have been brushed off as being like hysterical or, you know, too emotional to have, um, to be able to give like their opinions on things because they're just coming too much from the heart and not from the mind and all of that. And obviously you and I don't agree with any of that. And so one of the things that I've noticed over the years in my group of friends is that a lot of women stay very quiet when some of these topics come up, whether we're with our husbands or even in a group of women, they just sit there quietly and like look down at their hands and stuff. And I'm not that woman. Like I, like I said before, it comes very naturally to me to um, have an opinion on all the things. I love opinions. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I look at those women and I want to grab them and be like, no, come back with something like fight with me, say something like, what is your opinion on this? And I just feel that there's no excuse for that in this day and age, because we have so much access to so much information. And, and I'm not trying to attack these women. I'm truly not. I'm just saying women, 
log on to Google and start researching like the headlines <laughs> and do the research because I want to know your opinion on it. I want us to have this discussion. I want you to bring your voice to the table. Right. Well, like far from being offended, I am motivated by that because <laughs> I will take their position. I am that woman. <laughs> That's it's in the group listening to you. Uh, on the one hand, I'm part of it might be that I'm just fascinated by you. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so yeah by the women like I'm, me. That's yeah. right. I'm just watching you. I'm fascinated, utterly fascinated. Um, but you know, I'm not very fond of conflict to begin with. It's my mm. personality. So I generally shy away from debate. Um, although I love watching as the third party. So mm. when I find myself in a debate, or I can tell that there is some tension in this conversation, if I am not absolutely confident in the facts that I'm sharing or the position that I hold, I just clam up and it used to discourage me, but now I'm trying to reframe it and use it as a catalyst to first, like, so I'm not going to use that opportunity to argue my point, but I can then set a groundwork for the perception that I'm not a threatening person. You know, you can come talk to me again about things like this. Um, And then second, then I run home and start Googling and researching a little bit further into the issue so that I'm ready the next time it comes up. So to know that if you are not already up on all the current issues and so you don't really have a formulated opinion on these things, uh, you can just kind of take these next few conversations as cues as what to start off learning about. I think that's so great. And I love that you and I are truly coming at this from different personality types. And so Mm -hmm. uh, my way doesn't work either, right? Like I am like a bull in a china shop. I just go in loudly. And like I said, I'm I'm half the time I'm uninformed and I speak quickly and I dominate the conversation. And that's not the right way to do it either. And so I'm the type of person where I say my thing. And if you don't respond immediately, like right quit back with a, you know, some kind of a, a blowback to me. Um, I sit there thinking, well, they have no idea what they're going to say. And I forget they are, they're just trying to formulate a proper response. They're actually thinking through their answer, which is something I don't <laughs> always do. And um, so I need to learn how to be on the other side of that, a, a much better listener. And I remember I talked to my priest about this one time and I said, you know what? I know our ultimate model as Christians is, is Mary, is Jesus's mm-hmm. mother, Mary. And I said, father, I'm never going to be like Mary. I'm like the furthest for Mary, I could be. And he said, well, what do you think she is? And I said, she's meek. And he said, well, what do you think meekness is? And, and I said, well, being quiet and, and just, you know, kind of shutting your mouth, essentially Mm -hmm. keeping all those things in her heart. And he's like, no, it's Mary knew when to speak up and she knew when to be quiet. And so Michelle, I looked up what biblical meekness is. And Mm -hmm. this is like, my goal now for this year, it says restraining one's own power. So as to allow room for others. Wow. Okay. That is not the perception. No. Meekness has today. (laughs) No. And I actually love that. And so this is my takeaway for myself as I was doing this research. I'm like, there's so much I need to learn about how to hear others better. And yeah, some people are naturally more powerful. It doesn't mean that we're more intelligent. We're just dominating people and that I need to learn to restrain that to allow room because I want, I do genuinely want to hear other people's voices in these discussions. Right. Yeah. And once we do hear people and we are starting to learn these facts, I think also we don't 
often give ourselves the time really to then reflect on what it is we are learning right. and what people are saying, right? right? So to go back and really chew on things, um, given the noisy culture that we live in, yeah. uh, we're so bombarded. We don't let things percolate. And so if we don't let them settle, we can't glean that informed opinion yeah. on these issues. We're not actually listening to hear. We're just maybe listening to be polite or not listening at all. Yeah, like you, yeah. 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 No, exactly. And that's something I have to work on. Um, I have from seattletimes.com, there's five rules that they went through for civil discourse. So the first one is to have humility. You and I've talked about this a lot. I loved actually seeing the word <laughs> humility on, on a secular yeah. uh, article. What is it from again? It's the seattletimes.com. So the Seattle Times okay. is their big newspaper. So the first rule for having civil discourse is, yes, to have humility. And so basically that means to accept within yourself right from the beginning that we are flawed. And because of this, we are going to come at things from a flawed perspective a lot. But this also gives us the room to change our minds because we aren't 100% right all the time, right? So it's giving ourselves that grace and the person we're discussing that grace of being able to change their mind. Um, number two is solidarity, which means active listening. So like we were just talking about, um, <laughs> and you know what, it's, it's, going into it with the presumption that you have something to learn from this discussion as well. Not that you just have everything to teach right. everybody else that go in presuming that they have something that they could teach you as well. Um, and mm -hmm. the third thing is to avoid binary thinking. So just getting it right out of your head, the whole like liberal versus conservative or Republican versus Democrat or religious versus secular, that's not going to further the discussion at all. You're immediately putting these fences around it. So just dropping those kinds Kind of built-in walls. Um, the fourth mm -hmm. thing is avoiding dismissive words. Like I'll toss these all out there. They, they said like radical feminist or prude or um, anti-science or anti-life. These are words that we are seeing plastered all over reputable news oh, yeah. sources, right? Social media, Twitter, and these words get lodged in our brain and um, neocon. Um, there's oh, alt-right, fascist. Half the time, we don't even know what these mean, but we are ready to toss right. them right back out like as a grenade at the person we're fighting with. And that's not, go again, going to further the discussion when we limit our language. Mm -hmm. And the last point is that you lead with what you are for versus what you are against. So sharing what you want to build up, start with the positive instead of just listing out everything that you think is wrong. Right. Giving some, giving people something to say yes to, yeah. as opposed to always uh, telling them what not to do or um, what they should be saying no to. Yeah, I love that. Oh, those are good rules to to keep in mind. I like the one about saving room for you to change your own mind. Yes, yes. <laughs> because don't you think that that would be such an incentive for someone to be really um, stubborn? Yeah. Stubborn yeah. is the word. Yeah. <laughs> really stubborn in their position is if they feel they've pigeonholed themselves into a way of thinking that they're going to lose face. Yeah. If they ever change their mind. And one of the things I was learning about is that you, your, your opinions are a reflection of you, but they are not your quote self. Like you are not 
types. You yes. are not your opinions. And so when you mm-hmm. realize that you can change your opinion without losing, quote, yourself, um, it's very freeing. And I mean, I've done a total 180, you know, going from, like I said in the beginning, to like um, a secular pagan liberal feminist to like quite a conservative traditionalist. And so my views have changed over the time. And I accept that my views still could change in the future. But I had to drop that ego of thinking that Mm -hmm. I'm just so deeply rooted in these beliefs. Um, And when we look at it as when we're starting these quote debates or these conversations with people, we should both be focusing on the problem at hand and not the other person, right? Again, when you separate the person from the argument, then you just deal with the argument and not the person. And you can actually call it, yeah, the argument versus your argument. These subtle little shifts help us separate the person from what they're saying. Right. And this is one reason why debating on social media platforms or in the media itself is so ineffective, right? Because when you're debating in a public area, if it's not a specific debate, like they have those debating events, right? (laughs) Um, But if it's in the public, people are immediately on the defensive. And so they're not even open to dialogue or to listening. And um, when we're talking about separating the person from their point, like you were saying, uh, something that can really help is just keeping in mind common courtesy, right? I looked up the meaning of common courtesy, and it's basically politeness that people can usually be expected to show. Mm. And, um, you know, letting people finish their thoughts or their points, not interrupting them, that is a common courtesy that will almost force in your mind why are you showing respect to this person? It's because they're a person yeah. and they deserve to have their their voices heard and they deserve to have you listen to them. It might diffuse their perspective, put your perspective in check, and then you can start really having a conversation. Yeah, I love that. I was listening to um, an hour-long podcast with Ben Shapiro and Dr. Phil, and (laughs) they couldn't get... (laughs) I was going to say, I love Ben Shapiro. Oh, I haven't heard from Dr. Phil in a while. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) and it's so funny because Ben Shapiro talks so quickly and Dr. Phil speaks so slowly (laughs) with his, like, Texan drawl. Um, But um, Dr. Phil was praising Ben Shapiro because I guess he had him on his show and and Ben was like standing up for a position where he was the only person defending in there. I think there was five other people literally um, com- like drastically opposed to his very strong stance on something. So they're coming at something very, very diametrically opposed to each other. But Dr. Phil said what he saw is how they all got along backstage. They were all talking about their kids and weekend plans and having a laugh. And then they went out to the stage and that didn't just drop, right? They still were able to speak respectfully and civilly and explain their positions on things, but they didn't attack each other as people. Um, and, mm-hmm. and that was a good reminder, again, that we can be friends with people we don't agree with. <laughs> like that seems like the craziest right. thing right now. The most revolutionary thing you could do is reach out and develop a friendship with somebody who has completely different beliefs than you. It is possible to do that. Yeah. And that reminds me of a time when I was in high school. I was taking. Um, a class that was actually grade level 
above mine, mm-hmm. not because I was super smart, just because it wasn't offered in my grade. Yeah, yeah. So don't, you know, <laughs> don't get any ideas. Um, <laughs> and it was a sociology class or social studies or something like that. So we had to debate certain um, social issues. Yeah. And I remember the one time I was just like Ben Shapiro, I had taken the stance that was very counter what a lot of people in the other class, in the rest of the class were thinking. Mm-hmm. And I remember being um, in a quite heated argument during class with five other girls. And when the um, class was over, we were still early for the bell. So we had to wait in front of the door, you know, that awkward time before they dismissed you. And they all five of them came, started walking towards me. And I was like, oh, no, this is it. (laughs) My life, my life is over. That's fine. Um, and they, they actually just wanted to say that they respected my opinions wow. and that they appreciated that they could speak freely and they never felt attacked or put down. And when I ran, I did run for student council that year and they actually helped me with my oh campaign. Oh my goodness, that's such a great and lesson. Yeah, yeah, none of our perspectives changed. Yeah. None of our opinions actually changed from that one class. Yeah. But to, as proof, that was really something that has always stuck with me, what you were saying, like we can disagree and still be cordial and dare I say friendly yeah, yeah. with one another. Oh, dare you? Yeah. yeah, it's so revolutionary. <laughs> you know what? I have to say as much as um, I, I guess people could make the argument that these these people have been polarizing the Jordan Petersons, the Ben Shapiros, um, the Bill Mahars, um, you know, the John Stewart's, mm-hmm. like, the, the list goes on and on. But I say recently, um, I think that they've reopened this idea of debate. It feels like it was gone for a while. And I actually love that they've reopened debating and that we're having this discussion mm-hmm. right now. You and I, two housewives, right? Like with eight kids between us, right. we're sitting here and I've been researching what a straw man argument is, what ad hominem, what reductio ad absurdum is. Like we're we're just moms in our 30s. But I think that because of this polarizing nature of social media right now, it's um we're taking that and we're going, okay, let's have this discussion. And I I know I've said it before, but one of my favorite sayings is we've been told for so long to avoid discussing politics and religion that we have forgotten how to discuss politics and religion, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's so important that we have this conversation, that we have convictions and values that we believe in and that we stand up for, and that we know how to defend them and how to articulate them without attacking Yeah. And then once you know your convictions, to live by your convictions and to allow those beliefs to really start shaping your lifestyle and how you live. Because I I tend to think as well that if you are able to do that well, living by your convictions, um, that just gives you more and more credibility when the actual verbal debates come up, right? It would be the same as like taking gardening advice from a lifelong gardener versus someone who has read a few articles about gardening. Who would you be more likely to listen to and let speak? Um, This is true in our faith too. You know, if we're going to be standing up for Catholic Christian values, then we better be trying our best to live what our faith teaches because then when we speak about it, people know, you know, we've been there. We've been through the good. We've been through the bad and the difficult times. And we can comment from experience. And if you're living your convictions, you can let your experience be part of your debate tactic or skill. We'll say skill. <laughs> Less 
Yes. yes. <laughs> Less aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. And then when we practice this kind of civil discourse, you know, this intelligent, informed, poised conversation about topics we don't necessarily agree on, when we practice that, we start that within our marriage. We start that with our teenagers. We do that with our neighbors. And this ripple effect happens. I, I mean, I always sit here and I think, how can people be shocked at war when neighbors have disputes? You know, it, it starts mm-hmm. here. And um, it just... If we learn how to do this properly, it will have a positive ripple effect. Um, So, you know, you go home and you love your family first. It's that St. Teresa of Calcutta quote. And so how can we do this with our children to teach them how to stand by their values as well when faced with opposition in school? Yeah, you're right. Starting with our own families and with our kids seems to be a good place for us to start. Uh, to begin changing the world. And I remember reading articles by, uh, once again, we'll call out Kendra Tierney, (laughs) who we called out several episodes ago about her lovely going gray. Mm -hmm. Um, And she wrote such beautiful articles on her blog about developing a family culture, right? And being grounded and rooted in what your family does, right? And she was saying this as a means to, one of the things was just when your kids start coming to you like, and being like, well, so-and-so's family does this, or so-and-so thinks that, uh, to be able to always come back around to, well, this is what we think as our family. And she always has those um, blog posts, that's how we roll, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? I think that that's such a, a great tip. So like even putting aside for a second, the idea that, um, you know, your kids will one day also have to enter the debate in their own lives to start really, really basic by just informing them and helping them understand who your family is and what you're all about might set a great foundation. I love that. And Dr. Phil, back to Dr. Phil, said the same thing in one of his (laughs) books too, where he said, basically, if you start to drill into your kids' heads from young age that, like my last name is Murray, right? So we'd be like, Murray's don't do that. Murray's don't treat people that way. And it's just like, you just kind of say this phrasing. And then he said, I guarantee you when they're in high school and they see somebody pushing somebody else into a locker, they step in and they go, well, Murray's don't do that. Like in their head, like that phrase starts to stick Mm. with them, this family identity. Um, One of the things I do with my children too, because I do have slightly older children who will be engaging in these debates very, very soon, um, is that I really want kids who are critical thinkers. And so I'll give them the newspaper and I'll have them read, you know, the front page stories. And I'm like, let's discuss this. And I don't feed them ideas. I say, you look it up, go Google it. Does it make sense? Whose side are you on? Is that, you know, is that person being represented well? Mm. Who stands to benefit from this? And I want them to ask these questions every time they read an article, every time um, that they, you know, hear somebody else's opinion. I want them to become critical thinkers. And that's the first step before you can even respond with something. And so that's something we practice all the time, almost. There's, there's almost an instant every day where I can turn to my kids and be like, how do you feel about that? How do you think that person felt about that? You know, like just always helping them right from the beginning, walk, learn to walk in each other's shoes. And so they can think about it from different points of view. All right, it's time for our What We're Loving This Week segment of the show. So Lindsay, what have you been loving this week? 
Um, speaking, I guess, kind of back to our etiquette tip, I'm loving sundresses. Uh, we went to Old Navy on the weekend again, and I finally got myself some new clothes. I had nothing. Mm-hmm. And so I bought three new sundresses and little cardigans for over them and some little shoes. And they have, it's all of the happy, bright colors and patterns. And I have one dress that looks like a giant picnic table or a picnic um, blanket. <laughs> I'll look like a gigantic, sunny picnic blanket. You'll see it. Um, and it's just, it's, it's so, it was so fun to go in there as the weather's finally getting a little warmer and, and just pick up some nice sundresses and I just feel feminine and pretty and yeah, ready, ready for the heat to come. So I guess that's what I'm loving this week. Yeah. I have been dying to get some skirts and dresses as Mm. well. Like I, I know last year I really loved the look of it. Plus Mm. those people that do wear skirts and dresses all the time, they just look so cool. (laughs) Yes. in the summer like literally cool yeah, right like yes. literally like when it's hot out <laughs> yeah. yep chic cool and cool cool yeah so yes. <laughs> I want to be those people too I'll have to check out Old Navy because I haven't been out it's so hard to get out so yeah. if there are good recommendations on where to find clothing you can get in and get out super fast that's great so what have you been loving this week Michelle Well, I am almost finished reading a book called Free Range Kids by Lenore Skenazy. And it says right on the front cover, Lenore Skenazy, quote, the world's America's worst mom. And I was like, ooh, intriguing. So (laughs) I've always loved reading parenting books. I'm working my way right now through Everyday Reading's top parenting books recommendations list. Hmm. This was one of them. And the tagline was also very interesting. It's uh, giving our children the freedom we had without going nuts with worry. And Mm. that very much describes where I'm at right now. My kids are younger than hers when she talks in the book. Um, But I do often wonder, like we live in a great neighborhood where there are lots of kids who play outside um, all day long some days. Uh, Lots of kids bike to school walk to school and I just keep seeing them and I think, will I be able to do that? And when will I be ready? When will they be ready? Um, how do, how will this happen? So uh, it goes the book goes through different areas where we as parents in our culture have started worrying maybe a little bit too much about our kids. And it, it, it encourages us to think more critically about our personal situations and what we can trust our kids to do and when to do them. So, you know, as with all parenting books or podcasts that I love, I always listen or read them, think on it, and then take little bits and pieces that suit us, uh, depending what stage of life we're in and what our family culture is. And this one has definitely given me a lot of food for thought. So uh, with summer coming up, especially and kids heading outside, hopefully to play a little bit more, uh, I would recommend reading Free Range Kids if, like me, you're kind of on the fence about just how much you can let your kids go. That sounds awesome. I'm very much on the fence. I'm like, are you go too? Outside. And then I'm like, don't die. Don't die. I'm like, praying <laughs> inside the house. Yeah. And yeah. watch out for every car. Watch out for the strangers. Is yes. there drugs on the street? Where are you? Like, and I, we live in a very safe neighborhood too, right? So mm-hmm. that sounds awesome. I, I'm gonna, I don't actually usually read parenting books, but that one does sound intriguing. Okay, that's going to do it for us this week. And if you want to get in touch and chat with us about our topic today, you can find us on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com or leave us a comment on Facebook or Instagram at The Modern Lady Podcast. 
I'm Michelle Sachs, and you can find me on Instagram at mmsachs. And I'm Lindsay Murray, and you can find me on Instagram at Linny Autumn. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week, and we will see you next time. Thank you.